Hey, this is Filippo Levi. I'm a speaker, an author, and a trainer. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Genosos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. So perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Welcome to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest with me today. And his name is Filippo Levy. And before I introduce him, I just want to remind all the listeners, if you haven't already checked out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, we would love to see you there on those platforms. So come along and join and we will see you there. All right, Filippo Levy, he is a natural leader, having captained various local and international rugby teams from 2000 to 2013. Only a handful of captains have faced the New Zealand All Blacks, Haka and Filippo, as the captain of Mana Samoa, was one of them. He understands intimately what it takes for teams to perform in high-pressure situations. He's having played over 230 first-class games and against some of the most revered teams and players in the world. Filippo has translated these experiences into his new book, which is called Tackle Your Success. And I'm really looking forward to reading that book. So, Filippo, a massive welcome to you to this show. Hey, Dennis, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome to be here and uh, you know to be invited on your, on your podcast. So, yeah, really looking forward to our chat today. Awesome. So what was it like facing the haka? And for our listeners who don't understand that, the haka is more of a challenge for people and they tend to do that in front of their opposition. So, Filippo, what was it like to face the, the New Zealand All Blacks? It is scary. You're facing one of the best teams in the world, You know, a team that has a 90% winning ratio, probably one of the top two or three teams globally. And facing them with a team of mainly players from the Pacific Islands, from Samoa itself, was really challenging because he had many of our professional players who couldn't face them. So I had to you know, be really, um, you know, be really sort of vulnerable and to actually accept the challenge to face the best in the world. So when you're facing, it's like facing your... Yeah, it's, like, it's like your worst nightmare, but they're right in front of you. So it is scary, it's fearful, but you have to be vulnerable, but you have to lead at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, of course, respecting it as well. And I know that from a Mana Samoa team, you also did one back as well, didn't you, as a hacker? I don't know what you're sure, sure what you called it, but did you do one also back to them? Yeah, we did. It's part of, I guess it's uh, being Polynesian, as Māori are Polynesian too. We have a hacker itself, it's called uh, the Sivatau. So the Sevatel is very similar, but we're, uh, well, it's, it's in Samoan language with different actions. So out of respect, we, we face them by challenging with our own haka called the Sevatel. 
Yeah, cool. Hey, listeners, I've already seen the cover of the new book that Filippo has created. It's called Tackle Your Success. Filippo, congratulations on, on doing this book. I'm really excited for you to see it coming out and taking your experiences and your knowledge and your insights and putting it into book. Tell us a little bit about the book. What's, what's it about? The whole book, the whole premise is to help athletes after, after sports helping them with a new life after sports. So it's giving professional athletes tools to understand what happens next. As a former athlete for 13 years of professional uh, rugby, I found it really challenging mentally going from, you know, from a sport that I love and I'm passionate about that, you know, I got got paid, you know, really good money and I was really, you know, very um, grateful and uh, to be in that position, very privileged at the same time, but also working hard to be there. So when you stop all of a sudden in your early 30s, that's it. You've actually retired. You, you're not 65 or 70. You have another 30, 40 years of work to do. So, so the book is pretty much the, the steps, and I use tackle as an acronym to, to to take them through my stories, but also through a lot of some questions in terms of you know how to how to go from here to there. So it's a more more of a how-to book, but with a lot of stories sort of intermixed in, into the into uh, into the chapters. Yeah, tremendous. Oh, that's going to be very exciting to to see that come through. Now, when you talked about the transition, I'm sure it's also the same for a lot of people who have been, as an example, some of our listeners may have been in the corporate world and now all of a sudden they want to go and start their business. There's all sorts of different scenarios. But I think is it more about them as professional athletes reinventing themselves into another sort of career, into another thing that they might want to go and step into? Is, is that how that you would say it? It is. It's a, you have to reinvent yourself. You need to leave one life and then move into the next. You almost say you're... Yeah, it's almost your mourning. It's just, it is. It's it is. You are mourning a life that you that that you have to leave behind. And many people get stuck in in, that, in you know a thinking of the past where they have to move forward. So if they, if they don't if they don't move forward, then they're always going to be that oh that person that played rugby, that person that played basketball, that person that played football, that person that played golf. And you have to move move ahead. But also that doesn't mean that you stay. That doesn't mean that you leave sport altogether. Uh, quite a few players do actually go coach. Let's say rugby. So we have quite a yeah. few former players, so who will stay in the same industry, and actually it's aligned to whatever their goals have had, to their values, and they've just moved on. So, yeah, it is it is morning one career, but they're moving hot, uh, moving ahead, but with a plan. Yeah, it's interesting because the the opening of the show, I mentioned that many leaders are not changing quick enough, and I think it's leaders, organisations, they're not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. And I think this is just a, a prime example of what you're sharing there with individuals from a from a from a professional athlete perspective. And I think it's massive. I think it's huge what you're doing there. So awesome, Filippo. How did you get into leadership? I guess I'd say it was a it was a natural progression. I guess I've always been told to speak in front of people where I didn't want to speak. So it was almost, okay, you're, you're speaking. When do I speak? You're speaking tomorrow in front of who? <laughs> uh, so I guess it started from home, from, you know, being speaking in front of, say, church and salmon culture where we were sort of, I'm not sure if it's forced, <laughs> but, uh, but, but you gotta, you know, you have to listen to mum. Cause if you don't listen to mum, then, you know, you know, you, uh, you know, you're just part of, part of, uh, you know, you got to respect your mum and, and your parents. So, you know, she tells you what to do. Then you jump and you say, how high? <laughs> so, so I guess it's sort of progressed from that into sports and, uh, and then going into a cup rugby after, after high school, being asked to speak. Man, look, I was nervous first time I spoke around 2021 in front of corporates. I was like, oh my goodness me. You know, I had a lot of arms, 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 and I oh, don't know. So it didn't have much structure. So, but I guess through leadership, uh, more leadership is for me was through the actions, what I did on the sports field. So a lot of my actions were 
in terms of sports, I always wanted to be the the, the best tackler, the the best defender in the team. I wanted to to so called protect protect my uh, you know my, my teammates from from the from the opposition. So I've always had that sort of uh, protector sort of mentality to to be the one to be there for for people to to help them and you know make sure that they're okay. Yeah, that's very good. And I can see that you, knowing you as well and watching you, you're very much that servant wanting to help people around the servant leadership and, and helping them be the best that they can be too. And when you were actually playing the professional sports and doing so, what was one or two things you would do? Because you talked about before about it's our morning, right? It's, it's what we do and that. What was one or two things that would set you up for success in your day as a professional athlete or in a game? What was one or two things that would set you up for success? Probably the biggest thing is the is the the mental preparation. So we talk about a lot of the mental prepar- uh, preparation for sports athletes. It starts with the individual. So making sure when we when we come to the Monday after a game, we're able to to look at the game and get feedback. Make sure you get feedback straight away. In sports, it's very it's quite brutal. You can get really brutal uh, feedback. And I know a friend of mine, Fido Tieta, mentioned the former All Black scrum coach Mike Cron said there were three sort of three sort of versions of feedback for rugby players. The first one was a five star feedback. But the five star feedback is when you, you you see a player, you film them, and you show them straight away what they did, and show them what, what how they can improve straight away. That's five star. So you're, you're you're showing them in the video, they look at it, and they understand what's happening, and you move on. A, a, a three star is you wait after training, and you show them. They probably, they're probably oh, okay. Yeah, they've probably forgotten a wee bit. Okay, so you you move on. A one star feedback is when you wait a week. By then, the, the the player or the person's totally forgotten what you, what, you, what what happened on the training day, and say, so, okay, yeah, whatever. So you've you lost that sort of engagement. You've 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 lost that opportunity to engage them to get them to grow at one percent. So Mondays are, are are feedback situations, and and it carries on during the week. So so you're you're preparing mentally, but you're also getting that feedback, so then you can go into the game ready to play. Yep, cool. So you're, you're sitting the week up for that one game to play. When I say that one game, the game to play. So you're sitting the week up, you're getting feedback, you're doing things, trying things, practicing things, redoing it, more feedback and so forth in the moment. And then you're preparing to go live on game day. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Now, your name, Filippo, how did you get to the name Filippo? How did your parents get to that name? It's my, uh, it's my grandfather's uh, name. So it's my mum's dad. His name, yep. and I guess Filippo is a transliteration of uh, the English word Philip. So I guess when you look back into the history of the Pacific Islands, uh, when the missionaries came from from Scotland and around England, uh, you know they came to uh, the Pacific Islands around the uh, around the early eighteen eighteen hundreds. They they actually you know took our language and they translated it into English, um, and also sorry, and they 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 put uh, put a language onto Samoan language, put into Bible, and then and from the Bible there were names like Philip, you know the the uh, disciples. So I guess that comes it comes from from the Bible, but it comes from the translation from the from the missionaries. So so if you look at the Italians, there's a Filippo there, there's a Filippi, there's a so a lot of a lot of, there's a lot of uh, similarities, but the but Filippo just means uh, Philip. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, very good. And because I think I think in French, I think it's Philippe. Philippe, yeah, Philippe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting how that's all come around as well. And yeah, very cool. Now, you're based in New Zealand, and of course, you're doing a lot of speaking and helping people and so forth. Now, the question I've got for you, now, this person can be alive or from history. You may have several. Who's your favorite leader and why? But probably I always look back to is, is Nelson Mandela. Mm. I look back at his life and look back at the, the book, the first book I read about him many years ago. 
you, know, you just you just look at his life and you know the way he he fought against the uh, you know the whole um, uh, the apartheid and the system in, in South Africa at that time and. So looking at his life and what he did, you know, he's fighting back, but also being put in jail for, for, for doing what, what was right, for morally what was right, you know, in, in his mind. So, so you look at his life and I think, wow, you know, this is, um, this is a person that, you know, we took, you spoke about servant, uh, a leader. Yep. He's a servant leader in the way where he, he was jailed for what he believed in. And, you know, he came out the, 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 the other side after 20, 26 years or something, you know, in jail. And, uh, and becoming the, uh, the first black, uh, South African president. So, so you, so you look at his life and you look at, at those touch points of what happened in his life, what led him to that. And then, so he's one of the leader, he's a leader that I look up to. And, uh, I like his, a lot of his, you know, his sayings of, you know, the, the most powerful weapon in the world is, 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 is education, right? So, and that's something that's really quite close to me in terms of my parents coming here with my father, my mom coming here, you know, they, they came here for, for most, most thing for employment, education, and enterprise, you know. So those are sort of the three E's that many of the migrants come uh, came to New Zealand. And I guess that's for all migrants, you know. We come for those three those opportunities: education, employment, and and uh, the enterprise to you know to really uh, to be you know to you know fulfill dreams from from where they came from to help their families to prosper to take personal responsibility and actually able to serve back into the Pacific Islands and, and, and this and this just not, it's not a Pacific Island thing it's it's globally it, it's a common common theme for all migrants you know if you go across the world yep yep and my, my dad came to New Zealand 61 years ago from Greece right and he I'll probably add the other E as well he came in to have a enjoy in other words have a better life than maybe they were having in another country too so yeah I think I I think it's quite cool what you're saying there. So Nelson Mandela, yeah, great selection. Now, if I think about Nelson Mandela, did you watch the film Invictus? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. the reason I watched it because I kind of had a few friends who were in the film. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, who were, the, who were playing in the team for, for the All Blacks. So, yeah, so I watched it and they said, oh, yeah, I met Matt Damon and rah, rah, rah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I watched it. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was quite good. I really liked it. Really, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite interesting. I, I like it too. I've watched it a few times. In fact, I used to uh, teach part of it as well and use some of it as an analogy, which is quite good in some workshops. But I, my brother and some others I know, they just couldn't watch it. They, nope, I'm not watching that because <laughs> the All Blacks lost. The All Blacks lost. I'm not watching it. <laughs> But it's a fantastic film with some really great messaging in it. And so, listeners, if you haven't checked out the film Invictus, it's about the Rugby World Cup and how Nelson Mandela came out and then became the president and how he actually helped with the game of rugby to move the country forward and bring it together, which was really exciting to see. So if you haven't really checked out that film, go ahead and do that, which is really good. If you were to have a cup of coffee with Nelson Mandela, Filippo, what would be one thing you would ask him? Why? That's it. I said, why why did you fight against the discrimination? Why did you fight against apartheid? Why don't you just leave it alone and just let it, you know, just, you know, just let things happen? Yeah, that, that's what I ask him. I want everybody to know wow. why he did it, why he stood up and, and chose to be that person, you know. And uh, Do you know, I'm so now intrigued. I would love to know, but it's a great question, right? I mean, uh, really quite cool. And I, and I throw that one in there because, you know, it'd be wonderful to be able to sit down with somebody like that. I mean, I think, you know, you, you would just get so much out of it and love to be around somebody like that, right? No, definitely. Uh, he uh, seems mm. like a really nice, kind person, very kind and, and humble. But also there's something behind him as well. He's, he's got this, you, know, you just look at him, it's like he's smiling, but what's actually behind him? What's behind that, that, uh, that, uh, that uh, the exterior? It's almost like a lion that's, that's behind that, 
that smiling yeah. smiling face where you know he's you know he's fighting for people he's fighting for equality for all people yeah it's almost like that drive that determination that courage and that boldness right so but it's with a, a beautiful velvet glove and it's just been delivered in a way that's really good yeah hey look the show is called leadership is changing when we talk about that title or that statement what does that mean to you i guess coming from a pacifica background or being Samoan it's and being raised in New Zealand you know most of my life and traveling to Japan and the UK and France and South Africa you know I've seen so many instances or examples of leadership and, and sports business through church as well through through groups who are who are helping in the vulnerable communities and I guess for leadership is changing for me is this whole COVID this whole COVID has turned everything up, up uh, turned everything on its head in terms of leadership you know, we there's common themes every year on 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 the issues of of leaders with uh, miscommunication, with burnout, uh, well-being. These are the common themes that have been happening. For it's not new. It, it, every year, it's the same thing. So I guess with the whole leadership is changing, leaders would are now are now being forced to change their leadership style to manage with so-called uh, with a uh, emotional intelligence in terms of in terms of looking after their their people in terms of the well-being because you know New Zealand New Zealand we have the worst mental health statistics we have the worst uh, you know youth suicide you know I used to work in the schools for for a few years and you know I saw that sort of on a you know week to week basis the challenges a lot of these a lot of the youth face different to how we were raised in the eighties and nineties because we had no internet so you know we just went down the down the street and played a bit of rugby played a bit of basketball or football. Or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you remember the days when we were play out there playing rugby and cricket out on the street, and we go stop, 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 car, and everyone would just stop because there's a car coming, and then we're back into it again on the, on the street. It's just awesome. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. So we have to change. Leaders have to change. They have to change their lens into this whole fixed mindset of doing one way, my way, the highway, which does not work. It's still happening. The whole my way is this. I am more intelligent than you, so you will listen to me. And for most people, that they, they need to be. You know, they need to move into their growth mindset, into that growth aspect where they can start to learn, to unlearn those habits and relearn to focus on this changing leadership style that, you know, that, that you're speaking about all these years, uh, Dennis, you know. So I guess when we're talking about sustainable leadership, I believe coming from an indigenous perspective, that is needed right now because, you know, we talk about indigenous leadership. It's aligned to conscious leadership. You know, it's a values-based leaders. You know, it's about being purpose-driven, a life of serving others, being empathetic, being respectful, having wisdom, and also understanding our history so that we can move forward. Brilliant. And I, you're so right. I mean, I love what you're saying there. And I think the, the understanding of history is something we can learn from and then move forward with it, right, and do what we want to go and do and we need to go and do. And you're so right in talk, talking about the lenses and the leaders changing the view of the fixed mindset to a growth mindset. I think it's really, really important and it's good. Now, Filippo, we, we live in a, in a world that's just – we know that one thing is constant and there's change and there's a lot happening for us. And we find it social, business, life, technology, it's all getting faster and faster as we go. And so in this fast-paced, ever-changing world – what do you reckon makes a leader successful today? Leaders need to be founded by their by their values. The values are their foundation. You know, you need to have strong values to to actually be a leader. Because if you don't have those values, if you don't have that foundation, then you're always going to be moved. You're always going to be. It's almost like that. You know, it's almost like uh, the quicksand. You're building. You're actually building a house on on uh, the quicksand. Uh, it's, it's unstable. So your values need to be need to be aligned to you know who you are, to your purpose, your passion, to your goals, 
to your your whole self as a, as a leader. For me, a lot of my values come from my from my culture, Samoan culture. A lot of that's uh, to do with faith, being being raised uh, as as a, as, a, as, a, as a Christian background, and and a lot of those values come from you know from you know through uh, the Judeo the Christian values based systems, right? So that's all from the Middle East, but it's very aligned to uh, to Pacific uh, peoples how we relate to people, how we are able to to serve and care, and also to you know, to have certain rules, certain rules to to follow. Because if we, if we didn't have any rules in New Zealand, if we were uh, like a, a lawless country, goodness me, you know, we'll be like some countries around the world where there's no laws at all. You know, so I'm, you know, I'm blessed. I'm grateful to be living in a a a, a democratic society which is based on Western principles, which I believe is the foundations of of you know of our of our capitalism. You know, uh, it's a foundation of, of freedom of free speech, a lot of those things. So, and those are very much aligned to my values in terms of the indigenous leaders and leadership, Pacific Island, you know, for, for how, how I was I was raised. Yeah, and I think as we have challenging times and we are in crisis mode or things have been thrown at us, I think if we have some strong values behind us, that is, as you said before, it's the foundation. That's the thing that we can lean on. That's the thing we can go to and turn to, to actually give us some direction and think about where we're going. And I think it's really important for leaders and organizations to have values in place, but also live it, bring it to life, actually do it because talking about it and actually doing it are two totally different things. <laughs> and yeah, we definitely don't want to be talking about it all the time. We need to make sure we're doing and actually living it. No, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, in Samoa, we have a saying that says, it's in Samoa language, so it says, which means the foundations have been set. Mm. So don't try, don't go there and try to change things up, but you can innovate around it. You know, it's there, but you, you know, you can be innovative within those foundations. Our foundations have been set. Beautiful. That's excellent. Now, this is a good segue for us to start because we've been talking about the lenses of leaders and looking through that. If we were to sort of flip that around a bit or switch it a bit and talk about the lenses of an employee and looking through their lens. And from their perspective, how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Goodness me, it's, it's changed. I think, uh, you know, the last two years we've seen with COVID, with lockdowns, but also with, uh, you know, there was a, 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 you know, that term coined by American, I've got his name, uh, but it's called the, you know, the great resignation. You know, the great resignation is where people are now starting to see where their values lie in terms of their purpose. They want to see what, what are the, what, what's the company doing about, um, about the environment. You know, what are they doing about sustainability? You know, all these words are now coming ahead and a lot of companies are now slowly, slowly adapting, you know, adapting uh, how to adjust to what the needs of the employees need because they have more options, right? They have more options to leave. So why, why would you stay in an organization where if you get, you know, where they don't, the values don't align with you and maybe they are not going to move. They're very, just, just one way of doing things and they're not uh, adapting their, their models. So, so employees have many more choices to, to leave, to, to, to go to organizations which are starting this whole talk about different uh, generations with, with the Gen Ys and the millennials. Yep. It's that we, you know, like I'm a, like I'm, like I'm a Gen X, you know, so my, my, my parents were the old, you know, the baby boomers. So they they had a particular way. We have a particular way of doing things, and and we need to adapt to to them. We need to see through their lens how they they were raised in the age of internet, the age of of clicks, clickbaits, the age of social media. So there's so many choices for young people now, and they are leaders. They are that we need to know 
oh, what's what you know? How how can we care for them? How how do we change things for them? I'm not, I'm not saying yep, we we bow down to them. No, you just need to understand by listening. You know, listening by sort of you know uh, listening in terms of uh, you know their their you know the uh, you know their lens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. And I think that's that's so true. What you're saying is values again. They're looking for things, and if they're not seeing it, they're going to leave and they're going to go away. And I think it's uh, it's it's really important for us to look at that and understand that employees do have certain things that they need too. And as you said, some organisations have slowly got there. Do you think it was too slow, or do you think that they needed to move quicker? I think we live, you know, at the end of the world, at the end of the end of the, the, the you know the South Pacific, and in some ways, I, I like you know when I used to live overseas, everything was so so fast. In Japan, it was goodness me, well, you know, they got new billboards every every minute. Yeah, but then but then coming back to you know to New Zealand, and you know, I quite like the the slowness here and the way we do things. It's uh, we are we are a big island in the middle of the Pacific, so. So in terms of yeah, uh, I believe well, companies have been forced to change. You know, they they have to force. They where you know it's well known that a lot of companies take three to five years to implement the uh, the digital strategies. You know, pretty much the last two years, companies have, you know within a week to a month adapted it straight away. <laughs> so so what, what was it? Was it a were the foundations wrong? Were there was their mindset wrong? Was it they were they were fearful and they had to change, had to adapt to to the circumstances or they were having a business. I think a lot of a lot of organisations try to perfect things or do things and delay things, but as you said, there was there was no choice; they had to go, and whether it was right or wrong, just move. Let's go, which was interesting to see. Alrighty, I'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out now and start talking about the future here. Where, where do you see leadership being in five years? I think there'll be the rise of the you know the the voice of the of of the much more younger generation. You know, the Gen Zers, Gen Ys. You know, there, there's going to be a uh, more of a open discussion or things that's probably that matter to our our generation, but also right really matters to them. So I guess with leaders, leaders will start to you know to adapt and. And because of this whole COVID, I'm not sure how long it's going to last for. We, we could be talking about the same thing in the next five years. We'll probably, you know, we'll probably get a number four or five variant. So, and we're probably doing the same thing on Zoom. And so I guess it's, it's hard to sort of look, 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 look what's going to happen. But I can see that, you know, that when leaders start to see what's happened in the last two years with well-being and, and people wanting to have a, a balance of their lives and putting family first, you know, putting their, you know, putting other other things that are much more important ahead of of of, of the whole cool, you know, of the, of the so called nine to five, you know, whole this nine to five grind sort of thing. Where I think it's going to be more of a balance. I think three, I think managers, leaders will start to implement sort of three to four day work weeks, and it will become more more normalised. And you know, we'll give you know, and hopefully that will help with the well being of our people. So as most things, as most change, and you know, it's about. It's the smallest change, you know. There's, um, you know, there's, there's opportunity for us to really to to get ahead of everyone else as a wee little country and uh, really put up uh, the, the, our, our people ahead in terms of their well-being, but also balancing, you know, balancing what's happening with the business and, and making sure that's aligned to strategy, you know, in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Because we still got a strategy, we still got goals, we still mm-hmm. got customers and stakeholders that we need to look after, and of course our employees, which are really important. So we still have those things to do on a daily operational perspective, but then also the work-life balance. I would love to work three days a week and be paid for five. That'll be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's not just about the pay; it's about our health and our wellness and mental state as well. And I think mental health is going to be a big one as well that we need to work on and and, and have in mind going forward as well. Yeah, I think mental health of um, a little bit of. Bit of work with Mike King and uh, John Cuban a few years ago, when, um, and and I, and I got to 
understand, you know, their, their deeper why in terms of why they're doing it. So it was very personal, very personal for them sharing it to me. And I was, you know, just hearing from, you know, these, these great, great New Zealanders, you know, it's a sharing, being vulnerable. Uh, you know, people say, oh, there's vulnerable, yeah, whatever. But actually, when you start to sit down with a person one on one and hear their story, goodness me, it does really make you think, okay, well, what can I do to, to change my life? What can I do to be, to understand, you know, uh, to help others? You know, it's about serving others and helping others through their own, their own journey. Yeah, great. Awesome. And I know you did a TV show. Well, you're part of a TV show with Sir John Kerwin, right? And helping some uh, young people in relation to and using rugby to help them do that. What was that experience like? Yeah, that was very, it was over two years. I actually, I actually took over, over, over my wife. So my wife was the fitness trainer the year before. And oh, on, wow. on the first school hard knocks show. And then the second season, I came in and the third season. So I got, so I got to thank, thank my wife. So, but by working with JK, you know, you see John, JK's very, uh, you know, he grew up in South Auckland. He grew up, you know, he grew up as a uh, butcher's son. He worked in the butchers at a young age. He, he worked his way up, you know, and he's been really successful with his rugby career, but also his business. And also his, you know, his, his work he does with, uh, with uh, the Mentimia. So working with vulnerable communities, it's, it's not easy. It's, the issues are so complex. And one thing I know working with really tough organizations, uh, tough, tough sort of challenging, uh, communities is to, you know, is to go there and to learn, is to go there and don't go and provide solutions. Go there to encourage and to, to inspire, you know, to tell them your, your, your story, to tell them, you know, we, you know, how you got to where you are. Because people that don't want to, there have been so many people who go in this community and say, you got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. But it actually comes down to personal responsibility as well. Personal responsibility, that's huge. It's, and, and that's what we try to do uh, with John Kewen and myself and the, and the others who were there, uh, giving the tools, the rugby and the education for these guys to change their lives through, you know, through going from this stage to this stage. So they, they all know what right and wrong is. They all know where, where the pathway needs to be. They need to be in this narrow path. And a lot of them were straight away, straight, straight off the path. And they said, okay, so what happened last week? Okay. So you, so you need to get back on the path. So just, they need to have a plan and goals. And many of them did not have any goals at all. Goals of what they wanted to do. And, you know, in a, in a month, in three months, six months, a year. So creating those, you know, creating those opportunities for them to allow, allow them to see these changes possible is what we did. So really, I really loved it. Mm. Oh, awesome. So listeners, if you're a leader, remember you need to create an environment for people that work with you. And it's not always also about you telling them what to do. And Felipe, I did a, an episode once or recently called on the Ask Dennis, which is a freestyle episode. Ask, don't tell. And it's about asking people, but getting sharing things with them, but not also always telling them what to do. And I think if you can create the environment that Felipe has just talked about and give people the opportunity for them to fly and excel and do really well, then hey. Who knows where they could go? It'd be pretty exciting to see them on their journey, which would be great. Filippo, hey, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Yep, they can go to to my website, so filippolevy.com, uh, so F-I-L-I-P-O-L-E-V-I.com, or you, know, you can find me also on LinkedIn as well. So uh, you add, me as, add me as a friend, I'll accept you and say that you heard me on, on the podcast with Dennis, and we'll go from there. So uh, yeah, that's where you find me. Awesome. Hey, well, once again, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. It's been great. Thank you. All right. Cheers. Thank you. Hey, listeners, if you uh, haven't really checked out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, we would love to see you in those communities. Come along and share your thoughts about leadership and leadership is changing. We would love to hear from you. So once again, come along, check out the group Facebook on Facebook and also on LinkedIn on the page, Leadership is Changing, and we will welcome you to the community.
Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 